You're listening to the podcast of The Branch in Ashland, Virginia. What happens when you need to go somewhere new? Are you fearful of what you might encounter? Do you like to scope out where you're going before you go? Most of us can probably admit that we like to have some idea of where we're going before we go there. Today, we look at how the Israelites responded when they were entering into new territory and whether it made a difference to know that God was going before them. Notice in life and in movies, anytime someone's about to go into a place that, uh, that they're not sure about, that they're uncertain of, that they'll generally send someone ahead um, you know, on expeditions, you think about Lewis and Clark, who were part of the, the Western movement of this country um, and discovery. They, they had spies who, who would go ahead and kind of scout out what was going on. Most of us, I think, have uh, adopted the practice that when we're going on a trip, we'll, we'll pull out our phones and we'll use Waze or Google Maps. We'll use some kind of GPS to make sure that we know what's ahead because we don't, some of us don't like to be surprised by, by things that might um, get in the way. There's something a little bit scary about going somewhere where you don't know anything about. Some of us might be exhilarated by that. Others of us, that raises anxiety. It raises fear in us. I I think about even for my kids going through school and always wondering, are are they going to have a teacher that the other one had before? And surprisingly, in um, 10 years in in the, the schools in Hanover County, there's only been one time that all three of my kids I think have um, had, there's been a repeat teacher. But sometimes it's helpful to have that because then you just, you know the culture, you know the expectations, you know the certain things that are going to happen. You have a general idea of what's going to happen. And I wonder if we can think back to a time in our own lives where, where we've encountered something for the first time. We've gone somewhere new or we've done something new? Did you have someone who went ahead of you and who scoped it out or someone that you knew had been through a similar experience and you tried to talk to them and find out, hey, what is it uh, that I should expect here? And did they come with tips and, and hints for you to make you feel better? Did that lower your anxiety and fear? A quick search online will, will show us that one of the things that people will be most fearful about, that their anxiety be, will raise up with, is, uh, is new experiences and the fear of something new or the fear of the unknown. And if we experience that fear or have experienced it before, what if we knew that we would always have a scout, someone who would go ahead of us, Someone who would be able to tell us that, hey, I've gone before and you don't have to worry. Everything is going to be okay. That's what God's people experienced, uh, not only in the Old Testament, but throughout the Bible, knowing that he had gone before them to to see, hey, what's ahead? To give them warnings, to to tell them, hey, it's going to be okay. And that's what we're going to look at this morning because I think the experience of God's people of going into a new place can also be helpful for us and can apply to our lives as we encounter new things, as we encounter different things and 
encounter the uncertainty of what lies in the future. If you have a Bible, you can turn to Deuteronomy chapter 1. Deuteronomy chapter 1, we're reading and starting at verse 19, the New International Version, which is up on the screen. And as the Lord God commanded us, we set out from Horeb and went toward the hill country of the Amorites through all that vast and dreadful wilderness that you have seen. And so we reached Kadesh Barnea. And I said to you, you've reached the hill country of the Amorites, which the Lord our God is giving us. See, the Lord your God has given you the land. Go up and take possession of it as the Lord, the God of your ancestors, told you. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. And all of you came to me and said, Let us send men ahead to spy out the land for us and bring back a report about the route we are to take and the towns we will come in, come to. The idea seemed good to me, so I selected 12 of you, one man from each tribe, and they left and went up into the whole country and came to the valley of Eshcol and explored it. Taking with them some of the fruit of the land, they brought it down to us and reported, It is a good land that the Lord our God is giving us. But you were unwilling to go up. You rebelled against the command of the Lord your God. You grumbled in your tents and said, The Lord hates us. And so he brought us out of Egypt to deliver us into the hands of the Amorites to destroy us. Where can we go? Our brothers have made our hearts melt in fear. They say that people are stronger and taller than we are. The cities are large with walls up to the sky. We even saw the Anakites there. And I said to you, Do not be terrified. Do not be afraid of them. The Lord your God who is going before you will fight for you as he did for you in Egypt before your very eyes and in the wilderness. There you saw how the Lord your God carried you as a father carries his son all the way you went until you reached this place. In spite of this, you did not trust in the Lord your God who went ahead of you on your journey in fire by night and a cloud by day to search out places for you to camp and to show you the way you should go. All the way back in the book of Genesis, we can see that the promise that God made to his people. In Genesis chapter 13, God calls Abram out from among all the other nations. And he says, I'm going to make a great people out of you, which for the time was probably a weird thing for Abram to say because he and his wife Sarah were old. They had no children. And so he's probably thinking like, how is this possible? But God made that promise to him that he would be a great nation. And it's the kind of promise that you carry on, that you tell from generation to generation, especially in the day and age when there is no social media, there's no tweeting it out. There's no, nothing like that. They're all carrying that on by word of mouth and saying to the next generation, hey, let me tell you about the promises that God made to us so that it wouldn't be forgotten. But not, not only was that promise carried on, but it was written down. And, and this wasn't just any old promise. You know, I think in today, today's culture, today's day and age, um, sometimes we, we use words cheaply and we don't always think about what we're committing to. But, but back then, this is what we call a covenant. God made a covenant with Abram. 
The thing about a covenant, too, if we go back and we read that in Hebrew, the, the literal translation when two people would make a covenant together was cutting a covenant. Because this is what happened. Whenever two people came together and said, hey, we will make a covenant that these are the, these are the things that we will hold to uh, in, in what we do, and they would cut an animal in half, and it sounds gross, I know, but they would cut it in half, and they'd split it in half, and they would walk through, and that was a symbol to them and anybody else who knew of who was entering into this covenant that basically saying, may God do to us what has been done to this animal should we break this covenant. Like, they ain't playing, right? I mean, this is serious stuff. That they're walking through this as a reminder that this isn't just any, like, pinky promise or anything like that. This is a covenant. And that's what God said to Abram. He said, I'm making this covenant with you. And here in Deuteronomy, Moses is reiterating the promises of God. He's reminding the people, I don't know about you, but I need constant reminders throughout my day of certain things. Like everything is on my calendar because I need reminders. Otherwise, I'll forget. And the people of God were no different. They needed to be reminded of the promises that God had made. They needed to be reminded of the covenant that God had made to them. And Moses is reminding them here he's, he, that God was calling them to take hold of the very thing that he had prepared for them because what God said to to Abram was, I will make a great nation of you, but I will also give you a place. He said, I'm going to make a people of you, and you, you people will have a place. And so here, in the beginning of Deuteronomy, the people of God are, are getting ready to go. They're moving through the wilderness, getting ready to take hold of the very thing that God had promised them. And verse 22 says that they decided together that they were going to send spies up. And, and they, they had spies, one from each tribe. It seems like a fairly practical thing, right? I mean, if I'm going to go somewhere, I'm going to scope it out first and make sure I know what I'm getting into. God said, hey, this is fine. Go ahead. And so they do that. But I, I, it's funny because if you read what it says here in verse 22, it says, uh, to spy out the land for us and bring back a report about the route we're to take and the towns we will come to. Like that's practical, right? They're saying, hey, we're going to go. We're going to tell you what's the best route to go. I mean, this is why we use GPS when we're going on a trip, right? We want to know, is there traffic in front of me? What's the best route that I need to take? So by all intents and purposes, the spies were acting as GPS for them, saying, hey, we're going to go ahead. We're going to make sure that we see what's in front of us. But was that really their number one priority? I think that's, you know, sometimes... Maybe it's just me, but sometimes I, I make excuses and say, here's the reason I'm going to make publicly for why I'm doing this, but deep inside, there's something else that's kind of bubbling up. And I think that's what the people of God were doing here. I think they're saying, hey, what would be a good thing that no one can like balk at? Oh, we're going to check out the route. We're going to see you know, if, if, uh, what the best way to take is there and what the towns look like. But deep inside, I think they were worried. 
I think they were fearful, and I think that's true, or we can see that because God says to them right before that, do not be afraid, do not be discouraged. You know, how many times in our own lives have we come to that place where where we're supposed to move ahead, but we're not sure? And even if somebody has promised something to us, we're still just not 100% certain about that. You know, we might think to ourselves, like, this is too good to be true. I, I just, I don't, I mean, I'm a cynical person. I don't trust easily. And so it's easy for me to get into that place where I'm like, you made that promise. But somebody once upon a time made a promise like that to me before. So I can't trust you because of what's happened in the past. Sending out the spies was partly because the people of God didn't trust the Lord. They, they wanted to see for themselves. I'm not saying that I wouldn't have done the same thing. I'm just saying that when we do that, when we fail to trust what God has said to us, we're basically saying, hey, I love you, God. That's great, but I don't really trust you. I, I don't know that I'm going to make this step because I want to see it for myself. When God tells us to go somewhere or do something, we may make excuses of why not to go even though he's reassured us that it's safe, even though he's reassured us that he's gone before us. The Israelites said they're going to find the best route and which towns they'll come upon. And that's why they sent out the spies. And again, I'll be honest, man. There have been times in my life that I'm like, I'm just going to go out. I'm going to take a quick look to make sure I see what's behind the curtain. Because I don't want that coming on me like in a storm. I want to see what's ahead. And I think that's what the Israelites were doing here. They were scoping things out. They wanted to have a detailed accuracy to make sure they knew what was going on. Each tribe had a spy who went ahead to check out the land. And if you want, you can read in Numbers chapter 13 a more detailed description of of what happened here. But if you read that in numbers and you see here kind of a synopsis of this there were 12 spies that went out and 10 came back or well they all came back and they said well yeah it's it's a great land it, it's flowing with milk and honey there are good things here but but 10 of the, the the spies that went out they came back and they talked about all the they're like the debbie downers that came back like they came back and they're like it's a great land but you know and that was a big but like right like and so they come back with their big butt and they say hey hey guess what uh it's great milk and honey's flowing through it but there are some big people there that are going to destroy us they've got a big army there's cities with walls that go up to the sky and we don't know what we're going to do meanwhile there were two spies who were like hey god told us that that this would be our place He made us a people, and he said, I'm going to give you a place. Let's go. Come on. After all God had brought them through, you look at how they respond to to what the news, to the news that's brought back to them, right? You see that in verse um, 26 and 28. And I, I, 
I just love it because it's so dramatic. Look at verse 27, right? The Lord hates us. I mean, it sounds like a tween girl, so no, no pun intended. But like, you know, that real like emotional kind of like, oh my gosh, everyone, God hates us. Like, I can't believe he brought us all the way just to destroy us. Oh, I mean, that's what it feels like to me a little bit. That, that they get this news about this land and they've had this covenant that's been in place for a long time and they've heard these stories over and over and over again about what God has done and preparing the way and God has said, hey, I've gone before you and then they send their own people and they come back with this story and they say, God hates us. And you think about all the things that God has brought them through. He brought them to the brink of the Red Sea with the Egyptian army breathing down their neck. And then he said, hey, I'm going to do something I've never done before. I'm going to part the sea so you can walk through on dry land. And better than that, once you get through, when that Egyptian army is going through, I'm going to let those walls fall down. And they're all going to drown. And yet they still can't remember. They can't remember these things. And I think we're the same way. We're like short-term memory people. We forget what God did yesterday because we're so consumed with fear and anxiety of today. We forget. You know, I, I mean, again, I hate cliches, but like that footprints poem, right, that you see all over the place. Like, like as cheesy as it might be, and I'm sorry if I'm offending you by saying it's cheesy, but like it's, there's a truth there. And the fact that God carries us when we can't carry ourselves. And I think the Israelites are missing that here. And I think part of it is because of what happened to them in the past. Because the past hurts can easily influence how we receive promises in the present and the future. That when somebody has hurt us, when we've encountered some kind of difficulty in the past, it's really, really hard, at least it is for me, to say, I'm going to trust you now, God. Because I've felt that pain in the past, and every time something even sniffs of that, I just wonder, oh, is this the right thing? Like, is it going to happen again? Am I going to subject myself to this? And I just don't always trust well. But we've talked about this here at the branch before. I think that they were looking at receiving the land in their own hands and they were forgetting it wasn't their hands that they were supposed to be looking at. They were supposed to be looking at what was going to happen in the hands of God. That he was the one who goes before them. He's the one who fights for them. He's the one who prepares the way. But I think they were saying, yes, but. (laughs) Yes, but we need to do something. And God gives the people more encouragement. And they're told, don't be afraid. Don't be terrified. Why? Because the Lord goes before you. If God tells us that he's gone before us and he's prepared the way, and then he tells us to go, what should we do? I mean, do you think that's a request? (laughs) Do we think that's a request? When God says, hey, I'm your GPS, I've gone before you, I know what's lying ahead, I'm giving you this this place, I'm giving you this thing, trust me, do not be afraid, don't be terrified, just go. I don't think that's for us to say, oh, well, you know, I, I, I need a second opinion here, God. He's calling us to go. 
and to move. And as we move ever closer to Easter, I think it's a reminder to us as we celebrate the Lord's Supper today. It's a reminder to us that God didn't just sit there far away and say, hey, I'm going to move all these pieces and kind of make it happen. God put on flesh and lived among us so that he can say, I've been there before. I've gone before you. I've done this. So you don't have to be afraid. Like, he even went through death and came out on the other side just so that we could, he could say to us, hey, you, you're going to go through this? I've been there before. And you're going to be okay. Do not be afraid. Do not be terrified. I've gone before you. I've prepared the way. He tells them not to be terrified. One of the things that I've seen God consistently do in my own life too is that when he says, I want you to go somewhere, I want you to do something, that he will prepare the way in such a way that I have no right to refusal at all. Like he'll prepare the way and I'll have all these things just like the Israelites and I'll say, well, I need a spy. Well, I need to see the route. Well, I need to do this. I need to do that. And even though he doesn't have to, oftentimes what God will do is he'll prepare the way and he'll show me things that like, I'm like, oh man, I I can't make any more excuses. Because he's prepared the way in such a way that I have no choice but to step. I mean, there's nothing like starting something new in life, right? There's nothing like starting something new six months before a pandemic hits, not just the country, but the whole world. And yet, God has continued to sustain us as a community in ways that, like, I think I'm kind of under the microscope with Him. And I'm like, I, I don't think I have a choice here. Because you keep being faithful to your promises. You keep being faithful to me. So what is it that we need to do to trust God more? What does he have to do to show us that he's trustworthy? Even when we can't see, even when the spies come back and say, man, there's some big people over there. There's some big cities and big walls and I have no idea how we're going to do it. Even when somebody else comes back and tells us otherwise, who are we going to trust? Even when there's uncertainty, even when we're stepping into the unknown, do we really think that we're stepping into something that's unknown to God? Nothing is unknown to God. Like He can see it all. It's not like we come up on something in our lives and, and we say to God, hey, God, what's going on? And he's like up there going, I, I don't know. I have no idea. Like, it just kind of happened. Like, it, yeah, this doesn't happen. And I know it feels like that sometimes. Like, when we encounter those things in life and we're like, man, couldn't you have given me a warning here? And God's saying, I've got you. I've gone before you. I can see what's going to happen. doesn't mean everything's a picnic or that it's smooth sailing all the way. It doesn't mean that we don't experience turmoil. It doesn't mean that we don't have some tragedy in life, but it doesn't mean, does mean that He isn't setting us up for a fall. 
I don't think God is up there going, hmm, wait, I can't wait to see what happens to John now. <laughs> wait, let's throw this at him and see what happens. The picture in the Old Testament of how God went before his people was a, a visual going before, a cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. I mean, gosh, wouldn't that be nice, right? Like, you know, we like GPS, but like, that was God's GPS in the Old Testament. He said, if you want to know where you're supposed to go, just follow the cloud in the daytime, follow the pillar of fire at night. And when you do that, you will be following the right direction. And if you look at it, I mean, I always have to remind myself by looking at a map of the Old Testament route of God's people. Like, it's all over the place. I wish that I could draw it up on the screen because, like, it's not from here to here. I mean, most of us would think, like, God, you're going to take me in a strout, really linear route that everything will be nice and, and free and open. But, like, they're all over the place. And they were following the, the cloud and the pillar. Like, don't think that just because God's saying, hey, I'm going to lead you, I'm going before you, that that means like it's like straight sailing all the way. That you're not going to be going some roundabout route. I think we get so fixated and focused on the destination that sometimes we forget that the journey is where the formation happens. We forget that it's in that journey it's in those twists and turns and those bumps and, and mountains and valleys and hills that, that God's forming us into who we're supposed to be. But we want like the straight and narrow. We want to be like the matrix where we can just plug something in the back of our head and all of a sudden we can do something. We've got the wisdom. We've got the knowledge. We've got the power and we can do it. Man, I wish that I could do that. I wish that I didn't have to go through certain things in my life to learn the things that I've had to learn. It would have been so much easier if I could just like plug in a module in the back of my head and it just comes out on the other side. But that's not the way that God works. Verse 33 says that God went ahead of them. Why? To show you the way that you should go. You know, God shows us the way because He's been there before. He lights our path. He, he shows us the direction to go. And if God wants us, if He wants to show us the way, then maybe all we need to do to find the way is to ask. And I wonder when we feel uncertain, when we feel like things are, are spinning, have we just stopped and said, hey God, like I don't know where to go. Can you show me where I need to go? Part of our journey of faith is that God's going to carry us into scary places. Because, let's face it, faith isn't about going into the places that are comfortable. Places that we've scoped out. The places that are like, yeah, that's good. I'm going there. Like it's, it's when we stand there at those two roads and we say, well, that one looks pretty. I hear the birds chirping. Everything looks really good over there. But, and God's saying, no, I don't want to take you that way. I want to take you this other way. Because how you're going to come out on the other side is what I've got in mind. And let's face it, sometimes it sucks. It hurts, it's hard, and we don't want to do it. One of my favorite quotes in the Chronicles of Narnia comes from The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. If you're not familiar with this, then I wonder where you've been living, but um, if you're not familiar with it, then uh, in, the in the, not in the movie, in the books, 
Um, Aslan, it's kind of an allegory. Aslan is, is the Jesus figure. And he's a lion. And Susan and her brothers and sisters, they meet, sister, they meet Mr. and Mrs. Beaver. And, and Susan, when they, she hears about Aslan, the lion, she says, like, is he safe? And I love Mr. Beaver's reply. He says, of course he isn't safe. But he's good. He's the king, I tell you. And I tell you this because wherever you are today, whatever is lying right before you, remember that God's gone before you and remember that no, he's not safe, but he's good. He's going before you to tell you, follow me, I've been there before, I know what's coming, my promises are still true, I'm not breaking anything. So what do we do with this? One of the things I think we need to ask ourselves is what promises of God have we been doubting? You know, what, what do we not believe? doesn't matter why we don't, but what specifically have we felt like, you know what, God, you said this, but I just don't believe it. Like, be honest about that. You know, we talked about that last week about confession, that confession can be a really healthy thing. I think acknowledging that and knowing God's not sitting there with a hammer ready that when we say, hey, um, here's what I've been doubting about you, that he's going to clock us upside the head with it. Second question is, where's God telling you to go that you're fearful of? Yeah, I, I mean, I look back over my last 20 years, especially in life, and I think, man, some of the things that God has asked me to do in the last few years, like if he had asked me to do them 20 years ago, I wouldn't have done it. No way. And if you had told me 20 years ago, like, here's what you're going to be doing in 20 years, I'd have been like, whatever. Like, hey, you're an engineer, you're successful, you're doing everything great, like, good, keep it up. And someone said to me, you're going to start a church six months before a global pandemic, and then, you know, all hell breaks loose and you wonder, like, what in the world am I doing? I would have been like, yeah, right, that's not me. That's right, it's not me. It's God's Christ in me. Because if we're living into who we're supposed to be living into, then we should see a little bit more of him every day. And trust me, I am not the pillar of, like, you know, perfection here either. I could tell you some stories about those 20 years. Last question is, do you trust that God's gone before you? you know, as you face whatever it is that you're facing, you, do you trust that he's been there before? And do you trust that he said, I've got you, I'm fighting for you, I'm with you, I've gone before you and I'm going to show you the way? It's hard. But one of the things that I think is so important about how God has created us is that we need each other. And I don't care if it's 10 of us in here or 110 of us in here. Like it's easier to hide when there's 110 of us. There's, it's, it's less easy to hide when there's only 10 of us in here. But God wants us to share with each other. He wants us to build community because I don't know about you, but I can't do this thing by myself. 
do I trust that he's gone before? Even like the man in, the, in Mark's gospel who says, I believe, help my unbelief. I think there's always that part of us that says, yeah, God, I believe you, but I need you to give me something that I can trust you more, that I can trust that you've gone before me. Let me pray. Father, I know that there are people here that there are people hearing at home who are on the brink of uncertainty. And God, I know it's not easy. And yet I know that you keep your promises. Your promises are true and you go before us. You've seen what's up ahead. And even in the midst of the uncertainty, the anxiety, the fear, you're saying, do not be afraid, do not be terrified, do not fear. So God, help us to trust you in that. Help us to trust that you've gone before us, that you're waiting there, knowing that it's okay. Give us the strength, give us the power, give us the courage, take away our fear, take away our anxiety, we pray. May we trust in you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. God has made promises to his people. It's just a question of whether or not we believe those promises and trust him. God often calls us to places that are uncomfortable and sometimes scary, but God will never call us somewhere that he hasn't been before. Hopefully, that gives us some amount of comfort in knowing that he goes before us and knows what lies ahead. Thanks for listening to our podcast. If you have any comments or questions, please email us at thebranchashland at gmail.com. If you like what you've heard, please subscribe, leave us a review, and share with your family and friends wherever you listen to podcasts. Thanks for listening. See you next time.